now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Check, check. We are rolling. I am one of the Rutledges. I am Gabriel. Thank you, robot announcer lady. Uh, tonight's podcast brought to you by Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. Uh, someone left it in the comedy condo where I am right now in beautiful Tucson, Arizona. And uh, I don't know, maybe another comic left it. Maybe an angel. Maybe one of Jesus' angels left it. Uh, either way, it's much appreciated. This is how great comedy is. Uh, I did not have a show tonight. Comedy is always great when you don't have a show. Uh, I came in a day early. Um, and it ended up being a shit travel day. Because uh, Southwest Airlines, of course, they never go direct anywhere. Uh, so I had to go, uh, I wanted to go to Seattle, to Tucson, obviously, but uh, first I had to go to Seattle, San Jose, stay on the plane, just hang out for 40 minutes, then Denver, then Tucson. Uh, landed at 9.50 p.m. Uh, they're, you know, they're, no one could come pick me up because they're at the club running their open mic or it's about to get over, so I took an Uber to the club. I'd been there two minutes. And they're like, do you want a shot of whiskey? Sure. Do you want a beer? Sure. I mean, what a life. What a stupid, stupid, beautiful life. Sure, the whiskey tasted like peanut butter. And, you know. He's like, good, huh? And I'm like, yeah, it's great because it's free, you know. But, you know, I don't want peanut butter in my whiskey. Not that I'm a real... uh whiskey elitist, but, you know, that was a little much. I don't, I don't need my liquor to taste like cotton candy or peanut butter or corn nuts. I made that one up, but how disgusting does that sound? <laughs> Have you had the new corn nut Jack Daniels? It's great. My point is, it's not that I'm drunk, it's that I'm tired. Right? After that ridiculous travel day. That's why I came in a day early, because that's what old man Rutledge likes to do now. Um, look, if this was the before times, when I traveled constantly, I would never come in a day early, because I would want to spend the time at home. But, uh, you know, I haven't been, I've been busy, but not traveling that much. And so, yes, I will, you know, there's a condo here in Tucson. That's where I am right now. They, they don't pay for a hotel. They have a condo they put the comics up in. So if I can come in a day early, heck yeah, I'm going to do that. Because if you fly in on Friday, maybe get an hour nap, do two shows, sleep in Saturday, do two shows Saturday night, and then fly home early Sunday morning, it's... It's like being beat to death with a clock, is what it's like. It's, I mean, I come home a zombie. It's, I mean, I've done it a million times. I'll continue to do it, but it's, uh, you know, it's tough. So if I, if I can go in a day early, I'm going to do it. Um, and I will admit that it gets harder and harder to fly all day, get off the plane, and go do a comedy show as I age. Um, but maybe, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I mean, I'm in peak physical condition. I'm exclusively drinking and eating peanut butter. 
I've never been more active. And I'm drinking Michelob Ultra Pure Gold, which is mostly water, so I'm hydrated. Uh, but some of the worst shows in my life have been on days that I had to fly all day, uh, especially to a different time zone. Like, I'm thinking of one in specifically, it was like Ohio, well, Ohio or Michigan or one of those places where they think college football is important. Uh, one of those places. And, you know, I was just, deli- I mean, being tired is way worse than being drunk. I'm kind of going for both right now. But my point is, I can have a great show after waking up at 3 a.m., driving an hour to the airport, flying all day, landing, going to the gig. I can have a good show, but I need the crowd to help me. I'm like, I hope you guys have energy. I hope you're cool. Because if I have to like make something out of nothing or I have to do a lot of crowd work, I don't have the brain space. I left it at my layover in Denver. And those are the ones that I remember. I don't, you know, I've done shows for nursing homes. I've done shows for, uh, you know, things that should have been terrible that that sometimes were terrible. But those don't haunt me. How good was I supposed to do at a convalescent home where most of the people have Alzheimer's? You know, I knew that was funny when I was doing it. The shows that haunt me are the shows where people were there. It could have been good, but I didn't deliver. Those are the ones that haunt me. I'm thinking of one specifically in Indiana. It was at this place called, I think it was called Bear's Place. And uh, it was a historic Midwest one-nighter. It was like everyone went there in the 80s and 90s and forever. And then it didn't do comedy for a long time, and it came back. And uh, I think I was doing the first one back because I was doing it before I did a club somewhere, Indianapolis, Louisville, somewhere. And so I did the first one back. The booker was there with friends. He went on stage. And he was like, given the history of the room, and you know, Jerry Seinfeld's performed here, Tim Allen was here, Drew Carey, I mean, no one recent, but you know, all these old people. And I knew I was in trouble because no one was paying attention to him. Uh, and so I'm like, uh-oh, like he brought people and they're not paying attention to him. So he was just like some old man giving a lecture on the history of Indiana comedy and the whole room's like, nah, no thanks. Uh, Dusty Slay was my opener. Uh, that's maybe not a name everyone knows, but maybe you do. Dusty Slay will never be my opener again because he's very successful and hilarious. Look him up. He's so fucking funny. He's great. Um, he was the opening for me. And, uh, I've said that before, by the way, is that that's how you know you've been in comedy a long time. It's when you don't talk about the people you open for, you talk about the people who open for you <laughs> and went on to great success. He, I wouldn't say he killed, but like he did crowd work with the crowd and did pretty well. And I didn't. I had a rough set, man. I had a rough set. So rough that I'm still talking about it right now, and it's been a decade. Maybe not, but eight years. A long time. But just like I tried to do crowd work, but, you know, I was exhausted. 
I I woke up at two thirty in Olympia, and now I was in the Eastern Time Zone in Indiana. Even though it feels like they shouldn't be Eastern Time Zone, but they insist. And I just didn't have that gear. I'm like, oh, they're not going to listen to material. I'll just riff some hilarious. But I didn't have it. I did not have it. I had a rough show. And uh, every time I've seen Dusty Slay since, I think, well, he thinks I suck. But I doubt it was as important to him as it was to me. (laughs) And they don't do comedy there anymore. I don't think it's my fault, but I didn't help. Tim Allen was here. Jerry Seinfeld was here. Dusty Slay was here. Did much better than the headliner. Man, stupid Southwest Airlines. Uh, I mean, I actually, I love Southwest Airlines. um, But, you know, you can go direct Southwest one way to Denver, to uh, Chicago, that kind of stuff, maybe. But most of the time, I mean... Even if I want to go to from Seattle to Boise, they're like, sure. You want to go to Reno first? No. No, I don't. I mean, I don't have the greatest spatial awareness. Like, if you ask me where north is right now, I'm just going to point up and hope. Uh, but I do know that Reno, Nevada, is not on the way to Boise, Idaho. This is my first flight as a fully vaccinated Citizen. I mean, they don't make you show papers or anything. Uh, by the way, my uh, vaccination, like most people, they if, if you're getting the, the, the Pfizer or the Johnson & Johnson. Good luck. Uh, no, Pfizer, any of the ones with two, Moderna or Pfizer, usually on the same card, they put the first shot date and the info and then the second shot date and the info on the same card. And when I went, they were like, we don't have... We can't do it on that. I don't know what the problem was, but they gave me two cards. So if I ever have to prove I've had both shots, I have two cards to haul around. Also, could they have made it so it fit in a wallet? Would that have been too much? I don't know if I should blame Trump or Biden or both. (laughs) Or Kaiser Permanente, where I got the shot. But like, it's a really odd shape, the card. You can't just, if I have to carry the thing around... What, what am, where am I supposed to carry it? Laminated around my neck like it was a really shitty music festival? Did you go to the Pfizer Fest? It's fucking killer this year. Uh, it felt good. It felt good to uh, to fly vaccinated. I mean, I know it's not like a guarantee I won't get sick, but, <clears throat> you know, much better than the white-knuckle flights I was taking uh, in 2020. Where, you know, maybe it was more perception than reality, but it just felt like, oh, I'm going to die on the plane. I won't even get sick and die. I'm going to die before I land in Denver and or Reno. So it did did feel good. I don't... The, The news? That's even an old thing to say, the news. Media? Social media? Websites? I don't know what you want to call it. I feel like it should be illegal to do medical or health clickbait. Don't get me wrong. I get it. 
uh, you know, you're looking for your clicks. So you, 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 you title an article, Does Brad Pitt Have Two Dicks? And then you're like, I'd like to check that out. I bet they're both beautiful. <laughs> and then you click on it, and the article's like, no, no, he doesn't. It's fine when it's about Brad Pitt's more than one dick. But when it's medical, I mean, that's immoral. When the headline of the article is uh, vac- number of vaccinated people who test positive for COVID grows, that's the headline. And then the article is, out of the 75 million fully vaccinated people in the United States, 5,800 of them have tested positive for COVID-19 after they were vaccinated. I'm not good at numbers, but isn't that like tremendously impressive news? 5,800 tested positive out of 75 million? Maybe there was more who didn't even know they had it or whatever, but the point is, like, that's 396 were hospitalized, 74 people died out of 75 million. Like, that's, I mean, the headline should be, holy shit, these vaccines are working. Number of vaccinated people who test positive grows. Like, it's just, it's almost immoral. You know, because there's so much misinformation. Maybe I just read misinformation. How would I know? That's the beauty of living in this time. You don't know what a fact is. But if you see anything about vaccinations online, there's comments that are like, people are dying from Pfizer and Moderna too. And you're like, where? Who? What's the info? And it's all just like speculation and, you know, I'm not saying uh, <laughs> government is, a, is above a conspiracy. That would be ridiculous at this point in history to be like, no, the government's always been on our side. Of course, that's not true. But I just don't... <sighs> There's already vaccine hesitancy, right? And when you title your article in a way that makes it seem like if you get vaccinated, you're... St- still likely to get sick. It's fucking bullshit. And I know that's how uh, that's how it works. That's how, I don't know who that article is from. Maybe it was even like CNN or something. That's, that's how they work. I mean, they can't... You know, there's been plenty of bad news. <laughs> there's been plenty of bad news. And... That's good for the internet. That's good for CNN. That's good for Fox. That's good for MSNBC. It's good for all of them. It's good for websites. It's good for clicks. To be like, things are bad, but are they worse than you realized? All right, I'll click. And again, if it's like, did J-Lo get vaginoplasty? Fine. But don't fuck with medicine. Don't fuck with health. You can, why make an article that says, do the vaccines work? And then the article is, yes. Actually, better than we thought. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, 
I don't know. I don't want to say immoral, but fuck, man. The media is the worst. The happier and more content you are as a person, the worse it is for the media. What a system. What a system. There's not enough shit to worry about. That's why, I mean, years ago, I stopped watching the local news uh, because it just bummed me out. It was just like, trailer fire, kid died. I'm like, Jesus, why do I do this every night before bed? Uh, But if you're on the internet or watching TV, you can't escape bad news now. You can't get away from it. You know? Even even the good news is like tempered by uh, uh, warnings, you know. And there's plenty like it's not going that well. Like COVID still has a bunch of problems. Well, actually, COVID doesn't have problems. COVID's doing great. COVID's been killing it, uh, and us. But I mean, people have problems with COVID. It's not going that great. Maybe it'll get better with the vaccines that seem to be wildly effective. Um. But, you know, especially uh, even other places. India is, like, in a really bad shape right now. So there's plenty of bad news, but it's just, like, there's so many articles that are, like, don't get happy, whatever you do, don't have hope. Life's always going to suck. Never take a moment to enjoy yourself. Always be pessimistic. This is CNN. It's... Exhausting. Exhausting. Look, life doesn't end well for anyone. You know, we're all going to die. Uh, <laughs> I hope I'm not the one breaking that news to you. I mean, you know, best case scenario, what are you hoping? You die holding hands at 99 with your partner? Even that's sad. But, like, there's bad shit ahead for all of us. There's fucking cancer and death and tragedy and struggle. But you can't wake up every day and just think about those things. Because then you'll miss some of the good things. You know? It's like buying a puppy. And then going, I'm going to be so sad when this puppy dies 15 years from now. Yeah, that's true. But can you enjoy the puppy for a day? Life is a puppy. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys. It's a, Let it hump your leg every once in a while. I've been drinking. I should get Dusty Slay in here. Do a podcast. It should be illegal to do medical clickbait. It should. Does ginger ale cure cancer? Click on it. No, no, it does not. <laughs> That's uh, when I worked at a Mexican restaurant. Uh, I didn't realize that uh, it's. I mean, sort of in the same way. You know, 
uh, Americans throw orange juice at problems. I mean, I guess orange juice has a vitamin C, but you know what I mean. You could have AIDS, and they'd be like, mm, have a cup of OJ. That'll help. Maybe some chicken noodle soup. Uh, I learned that... Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because last episode I said I was going to talk about the Latino experience, and here I am. When I worked at, worked at Pepper's Mexican Restaurant, I can say the full name on it. It closed. Uh, the, if anyone was sick, the my, uh, the my Mexican coworkers, it was all about uh, limes and lemons and Seven Up and tequila sometimes, but it'd be like. Yeah, I feel like shit today. I'm having 7-Up and lime or lemon. Which, I think the theory is you whatever's wrong with you, you burp it out. And I don't believe that works for tumors, but I don't know if we've done that research. Remember when people used to work sick? I sure did. But that was like, I mean, when I worked at that restaurant, forget comedy, when I worked at the at the restaurant, it would be like one of the cooks would have the flu and be like drinking seven up and be like at work and everyone would be like, cool. Like no <laughs> no one cared. I wonder if that's gonna change if we'll just go right back to uh that's still what's stressful about traveling right now is like if I do get sick, um I still don't know what I'm supposed to do because I don't I don't know. It would be easy if I could just travel with a test that let me know if I had COVID. But you know, if I get a cold tomorrow. I'm going to think it's COVID. And I'm like, should I perform? That part's still stressful. Um, is the cold worse than COVID? No. No, it's not. Uh, but yeah, that's it's it, that used to be the mark of a good employee. To like drag your sick ass into work. Even in food service, where it should literally be <laughs> the place that that never happens. Uh, just so you know, our uh, chef tonight has a fever of 102, so enjoy your carnitas. I say chef. We didn't have chefs. We had cooks. We had a cook named Juan. I'll say his name because it's uh, basic enough. It's not like you know him. And uh, this guy, if you're good enough at your job, man, you can get away with some shit. Same with comedy, I guess. If you're a big enough draw, you can be a real asshole. Uh, at my level, you got to be nice, and it's the worst. Uh, but this guy Juan, I mean, he would drink all day. Uh, he would not show up occasionally. I think he did coke. I'm not sure. Um, but he never. they never fired him because, like, he was so good. Like, he changed all the recipes. Uh you know, things were just better when he was there, and he just he just knew it. It was just like, yeah, you want me to be work at 7, but it's going to be 7.45, because what the fuck else are you going to do? And I always loved, I, I respected that about him. I mean, uh, famous athletes always get pressed for, like, holding out for a better contract or being a pain in the ass, but that same, same shit happens at food service level, you know? People are always quitting and coming back or getting fired, and then the owner realizes he can't make beans as good as one. I worked at that Mexican restaurant a long time. Uh, my name 
uh, there were people there who literally did not know my name was Gabe or Gabriel or Gabriel uh, because everyone there called me Guapo. Um, which means handsome. And I, the reason I got that nickname, um, besides being handsome, <laughs> no, I always felt it was like how you call a fat guy tiny. But I asked, I think I just watched The Three Amigos. Well, not just, but I was thinking about it. Uh, and there's a, 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 the main bad guy in the, the Three Amigos is called El Guapo. And so I asked, it was Juan, I asked Juan. He was all coked up, and I asked him. I said, wait, what does guapo mean? And uh, he told me it was handsome, which uh, I should have remembered from my high school Spanish. But I asked him the question, but from that day on, I was guapo. Uh, to the point where when my son Johnny was born, uh, I still worked there. When he was a baby, uh, they called him guapissimo. Uh, I, there was literally people there who like had no idea what my name was. They're just like, "Who's working tonight?" Oh, uh, Guapo, Steve, and Cindy. Like, oh, okay. It was a it was a really weird experience because there was people who worked there who were very new to the country, um, and so they spoke very limited English, obviously, like, uh like you would when you've been in the country for, you know, weeks or a month. So it was very weird to watch someone come over to this country with, like I said, very little English, and then, like, watch them progress. Because you don't, if if there's a language barrier, you kind of talk to each other like you're both toddlers. You know? Just, hey! How are you? Good. You know, it's like, you know. <laughs> Do you like music? Yes. You know, it's it's this weird, and both ways, both ways. Uh, we both talk to each other like we were toddlers because of the language barrier. And then as they uh, progress and uh, learn the language, you're like, oh, you're like a real human, of course. And it was really weird because there was uh there was someone who spoke uh like very little english she zero when she started her name was uh blanco no blanca i misgendered her i apologize and uh she would always because our plumbing wasn't that good at peppers uh if more than one sink was running at a time uh it would be slow and so when she was trying to fill up water for tables, she would she would yell to everyone else, Agua necesito! Meaning, like, turn off your sink so I can fill up these pitchers to put on the table. And uh, that has survived in my life. Christy and I say Agua necesito to each other all the time for no reason. Still, decades later. But she spoke zero English. Um, she she busts tables you know, filled the waters, but like when, to the point where customers would be like, hey, can you get some more uh, chips? And she'd be like, and she would just stare at them. 
you know, and she'd have to get someone else. She'd just be like, no, habla, you know. And then when I quit, she spoke a little bit. And then like a decade later, I I saw her at a store. I saw Blanca at a store. And she was like, guapo? I was like, Blanca? And she was like, how are you? I haven't seen you in forever. I didn't even know if you still lived here. Like, perfect. It's so crazy to see that progression of like, oh, you're like, uh, your English is impeccable now. That's amazing. It seems impossible to me. It seems, I know it's possible, but it seems impossible. If, you know, if I had to move to Mexico tomorrow, that I could just fluently speak in Spanish in five or ten years, it seems impossible. Uh, but that was a, a really weird part of that job where you got to see that happen. She had a son who was always hanging around at that time who was probably five or six or seven, and, you know, I was talking to her about her kid. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, he's uh, he's in high school now, and... He's doing pretty good. He's got a girlfriend. But like in that voice. And I'm just like, it's like a different person. Next week, we'll talk about the Asian American experience. No, I've never worked in an Asian restaurant. But that doesn't mean I don't have opinions. Uh, oh, I don't know. That was one of my first jokes. It was like I deliver Mexican food. Before that, I delivered pizza. I tried getting into Chinese food delivery, but it's all who you know in this business. Just a <laughs> that was my dumb open mic joke in like the year two thousand. Uh, today, I was at the airport. I was in the bathroom. Uh, in the stall. I don't know what you guys use the stall for. I use it to poop and pee. That's kind of my thing. Um, it's not my business what you do in there. Um, and then uh, while I was in there, a guy on the other side of the door was like, uh, excuse me. I'm like, what the hell, man? I mean, the door's locked. What do you want, dude? He was like, can you hand me my glasses? And uh, his glasses were hanging up where you hang up coats or whatever. He did. So I, you know, I got up and handed him his glasses and he said, thank you. But like, it does raise the question, who takes off their glasses to shit? Like, oh, I don't even want to see this. I should take out my hearing aids too. This one's going to be rough. Also, when I was in Denver, uh, there was a woman. I, I was enjoying a uh, burrito bowl. I don't know what you call it. Uh, I was enjoying food. And this lady was in line. I was eating, but she was like in line. And, you know, there's constantly announcements going off. And they're, whatever. They're, well, flight to Baltimore. Please board your aircraft. We are going to leave. And she just goes, oh, shit. And then she just left. She ran away. 
She ran away. She was in line being like, yeah, I want lettuce. No, I don't want sour cream. And then she just like, she ran away. And then two minutes later, she came back. And she was like, did you throw that burrito away? And they're like, yeah. She's like, I guess there's two flights to Baltimore and that one wasn't mine. I'll be honest, if that happened to me, uh, I don't think I would have gone back. You know what I mean? I think I think it would have been like, okay, I already ran away screaming from the burrito line. Maybe let's get a sandwich now. Maybe burritos aren't for me tonight. But no, she went back. Good for her. She owned up to it. She said, I made a mistake. Okay? And I would like that burrito now. And I would also like sour cream now. Because I realize life is short. Also, I left my glasses in the shitter. So if you could grab those for me, that'd be great. I have a lot of shows coming up. Uh, I'm in comedy, after all. GabrielRutledge.com for all my show dates. Here's here's the weird thing about comedy. Uh, you know, like, May 1st, I have a show with my pal Casey McLean. It's a door deal, which means we don't make money if no one comes. We're, uh, we've got ads. Uh, we're trying to, uh, I mean, I sent emails to the Enumclaw newspaper. That's where the show is. Chalet Theater in Enumclaw. May 1st, please go. Uh, you know, we're like trying to get people to go. And it still could turn out okay. It's not till May 1st. But like as of right now, the ticket sales are not great. But then the weird thing about comedy is like, Two nights ago, I did a show in Port Orchard that at, uh, it was at the Peninsula Bevco, a microbrewery. And even there was no event. There was no poster. I didn't know who else was on the show. I never promoted it once. I went to the Peninsula Bevco Facebook page. They had no mention of it even happening. I just showed up on a Tuesday. And they were like, yeah, it's sold out. Like, okay. Can you move to Enumclaw so I can do a show there that people come to? Peninsula Bevco. Uh, but anyway, I got uh, Tucson, April 23, 24. Salem, April 29. Medford, Oregon. April 30, Enumclaw, May 1st, Arlington, May 7, Sultan, Washington, May 8th. Uh, that's far enough. Like I said, GabrielRutledge.com. Um, thank you so much to the uh, people who support this podcast monthly with your money and not just your listens. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast, um, talk to your counselor and then look at the episode notes. And there's a uh, thing you can click on that says support this podcast or go to RutledgeRadio.com and click on support this podcast. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can change the life of one doughy 47-year-old drinking a Michelob Ultra Pure Gold with peanut butter whiskey burps. Um, 
Thank you so much to those people who do. Uh, that's That number is still growing. I, that number of, of people who are paying money to listen to this podcast is still growing, and it's uh, it's quite humbling, to be honest. Well, I say that like it's 50 grand a month. It's, it's much less than that. <laughs> but it's more than 50 a month, and it's humbling. And uh, I appreciate that. So thank you so much uh, for those of you who actually give me your hard-earned money. For everyone else, uh, this podcast is free, and it's worth it. Show's over. We're done. Bye.